as we end our time of singing worship together. Our worship does not stop, though. Uh, we believe here at Arise that giving is part of our worship, and you can give uh, either online or we have our giving box in the back. And uh, we believe that, man, we surrender our finances to God. That is part of our act of worship to him. Uh, at this time, I'd like to dismiss the kids uh, to go down to Kid Connect, ages 3 through 5th grade. Uh, you're going to go learn about Jesus. All right, is that something I'm doing? No, maybe. I'll just, I'll just stand still and see if that works. We know that's not going to happen. Corey's already laughing at me. It's not going to take place. Uh, last week, uh, I asked if uh, we're tired uh, as a church. We've been through a lot of change over the past two years uh, with our building tr transition, name transition, and we're preparing for a lead pastor transition. Um, and God really impressed in my heart that this is a time where we just need to go rest and be with Jesus. I was actually talking with another pastor about where we're at as a church, uh, and he's like, man, it sounds like God is telling me you just need to let the ground rest. Season of rest, to just go be with Jesus. And so we're going to do that. Uh, actually, starting next Sunday evening, uh, we're going to call this Be Still, where we're just going to go worship and pray and be still before the Lord and see what he has for us. And so we're going to just be doing that throughout the summer. Uh, we've got a couple different dates lined up. And so I'm excited to see what God has for us as we just seek him and simply be still in him. So uh, please come. Please be invited to that. This is one more thing you can put on your calendar. This is one more thing really for you. Uh, it's usually kind of a selfish thing. You, you Christians, you, everything's for everybody else. But man, this is a time I really believe God has for us to come and be filled with him and through him. Uh, but we're still going to be actually proactive this summer in a few different things. Uh, one of them is going to be on July 17th. We're going to have a picnic at the park where we're going to have our service down there. Uh, and we're going to then eat food, and we're going to have games. And it's a chance for us to get to know our neighbors uh, around our uh, building, so over from Erie Hill and uh, Kiwanis Park and stuff like that. And so we need some help. Uh, so we have uh, some different activities going on. And if God's been talking to you about this, from running games to face painting to handing out popcorn, uh, please contact the church office. Uh, and uh, reach, you can find out and listen to what... Uh, different opportunities you have there. Uh, as mentioned before, we have a lot of changes coming to this church uh, on the horizon. One of them is our lead pastor, and Pastor John is retiring coming this November, and as, um, man, we just cherish these last couple months with him, we are also blessed to have a candidate come. He's, uh, his name is uh, Pastor Joel Arndt, and his wife is named Becca, and they're coming here July 24th. So if you are a member or you call Arise kind of your home, man, July 24th, uh, please be here and participate because this is going to be a big step that we take forward together as a church for that. Um, one of the things I love about this church is some of the family feel that we have here. And we get to mourn with those who are grieving, but we also get to celebrate with those who have some joy, uh, joyous occasions. And so this morning, I want to, uh, man, celebrate with two young people who've accomplished a milestone in their life. So first one, Maya Ramirez Erickson. Can you stand up real quick, Maya? 
All right. Maya graduated high school. Well, not yet, but she's graduating high school. Uh, and we just want to celebrate you. And Maya, we've loved watching you grow up here and to see what God's done in your life and through your life. Uh, and we're so excited to see you continue to grow and be part of this family. So, uh, man, let's give her one more round of applause. Excited for you, Maya. What's next? Uh, Jared Anakin Filto. Uh, he didn't. He didn't necessarily get me uh, a picture on time. So if you Google Anakin, uh, this is who pops up. But I don't think that looks like him. So I did. We did find another picture. So Jared, come on out behind the booth. Everyone, give a round of applause to Jared Filto. Jared, you graduated high school. We're excited for you, Jared. You grew up in this church. Uh, you've matured in so many different ways. We've seen you even preach messages in this church, and we're so excited to see what God has for you next uh, and who he's made you to be uh, and called you to be as a man of God. So thank you, Jared. All right. I have a message for you, too. Uh, you, you can go back. Thank you. <laughs> Someone's got to push some slides. Um, and it's not just for you two, it's for, it's, it's for all of us. It's today's teaching text. But so for Jared and Maya, I couldn't, I can't, I could talk a lot, but I'd rather just tell you what scripture says, scripture says, and there's no better verse than this for, I think, a young person. Uh, Paul's words to a young Timothy, this is what he says uh, in 1 Timothy 4, uh, starting in verse 11. Command and teach these things. Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which has given, which was given through, which was given you through the prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Preserve in them because if you do, you will have saved both yourself and your hearers. Jesus, this morning you have our attention. Lord, I ask that you would uh, hide me behind your cross, Lord. Would you be speaking through me? And would you give us eyes to see you and ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been in this series called Lies We Believe, and it started with the teachings of Jesus. This is so foundational. And this is what Jesus taught. Number one, that there, the devil is real, and he's currently on earth, and he is raging war. He's in rebellion against God and everything good. And Jesus taught that his primary weapon that the devil uses is lies. And as followers of Jesus, then, automatically, no matter what, we are brought into this war. You're a part of this war that's taking place. And Jesus shows us that the way we fight this war is to believe truth 
over lives. Now, we've taken uh, some time over the past couple of weeks to drill down on a few specific ones. Uh, we had uh, a Women's Day panel where we got to hear from uh, people in our own church, uh, women, about lies that they have believed or currently wrestling with. We heard from Pastor John about self-deception and self-lies. And then uh, last week, we heard from one of our elders, Todd Schumann, who taught on how the word uh, counters the lies of the enemy. And so in preparing for this morning, uh, God was just talking to me about, you know, Sam, it, we need to talk about lies that we don't just believe, but lies we actually live. So we're going to talk about stuff called a neural pathway, and we're going to talk about some things that are about spiritual formation, and understanding this is vital in the battle of believing, and not just believing, but living out truth over lies. So in 1 uh, Timothy 4, Paul is writing to, to Timothy, the, the, guy, the young man that uh, Paul is mentoring, discipling, and he talked about the call that is on Timothy's life to be a pastor, a leader in a local church, and Paul gives him some instructions on how to do that, the continuing to read the word, the preaching, the teaching, and modeling his Christian life. But then Paul ends this message with several things that we're, we need to pay attention to, uh, that he uh, really highlights. Number one, he says, be diligent in these matters. So be consistent, you know, reading scripture. Set an example. Set a benchmark. Hold to a standard in how you talk and life and love and purity and these things. And uh, Paul is telling Timothy is, don't just be fluffy about how you live your life. Like, no one accidentally sets a high standard for something. They're like, oh, man, how did I do that? That was so cool. No, it takes some really intentional ways of doing that. It takes processes. It takes practices. It takes uh, discipline in order to hold to a high standard of life. It takes diligence to do something like that. Uh, there's a person in this room who is really good at that, and sometimes he hides it. Uh, but did you know Pastor John does this? He models this. Uh, he journals his life, his walk with God. And he writes this down every day. And he's got books, books of his life, of his journey with God. Because he wanted to be a life that held to a high standard. He was diligent in these matters. And if you want, you should ask him about it someday and what he does and his practices of what it takes to live a life that's diligent and consistent. And I get to sit here, and I get to watch that, and it's amazing. Second point that Paul makes. Uh, he says, everyone may see your progress in terms of referring to uh, doing these things, being an example. Uh, so be diligent, be, consider, uh, be consistent, set that high standard, and... Uh, so people will see you progress, people will see you grow, people will see you mature. We call this in the church sanctification, that is to become like Christ. And just because you are covered by the blood of Jesus doesn't mean the, uh, the claws of sin, the effects of sin, the immaturity that you kind of have in you is just automatically gone. You still have that in you. And so just like Paul talks about in Romans 12 about giving your body over to God as a holy and living sacrifice. This is our true way to worship him. Uh, it's, 
It's a process. It's a journey uh, to become like Christ. It's where you take that evil uh, sin, that part of you, and letting it die, literally killing it so that Christ can live more in you. We call that sanctification. So he's saying, hold to a high standard. Be very diligent how you live your life. So people are going to see you become more like Christ. They're going to see you grow. They're going to see you mature. And then he says something. He says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. And at first, this seems redundant because uh, Paul said, you know, set a high standard with your life. And now he's telling us to watch it closely. The reason he's saying that is because there's a huge difference, big, big difference between what you are doing with your life and who you are becoming with your life. What you do with your life is totally different than who you are becoming with your life. Paul says, watch who you are becoming and what you are believing. That's what doctrine is. Doctrine is what you believe. Watch what you are becoming and what you are believing. So this brings us to us back here today. This is what this series is all about. Watching closely of, at our lives of who we are becoming and what we believe. So we've wrestled a lot with the doctrine part, lies we believe. Now I want us to, we need to come back to the other side of, and wrestle with the question is, who are we becoming? So we're going to talk about how every minute of every day, we get shaped into someone. Now, uh, we get shaped and formed all the time. Now, this isn't a Christian thing. This isn't a spiritual thing. This is a human being thing. Every human being goes through this and this has this happening to them all, all the time. We always are being shaped and formed into someone. So then I'm going to come up with a little disclaimer. I know that's not something you want to listen to while someone's giving a message. Like, hold on. Don't listen. Uh, but this is a section I'm, we're going to talk about uh, the human brain. And no, I am not a professional doctor. I'm not a professional scientist. I just study these somehow. So we have Dr. John Rice-Cattell in the back. And if you have any more serious medical questions about the brain, he, we will consult with him uh, throughout this message to make sure uh, you know, we're staying on topic. Okay, with that said... Uh, now, with only three of you paying attention, taking this serious, uh, I want to show you a video about some neural pathways, okay? Uh, and this is pretty much the easiest explanation I could find on the internet. So go ahead and roll this. What's going on in the brain when you learn? In order to learn anything, whether it's math, a foreign language, guitar, or how to dribble a basketball, you need to create and strengthen pathways in your brain. Think about shooting a free throw. Know that feeling when you've got it down and don't even have to think about it. That's muscle memory. Here's the thing. Muscle memory lives in the brain, not the muscles. Your brain controls everything your muscles do, and it does this by activating specific neural pathways for each and every movement. These are functional pathways, neurons working together to achieve a goal. Say you're learning how to shoot a free throw. If it's your first time doing it, you don't yet have a pathway for that movement in your brain you need to create it. Let's use an analogy to look at what's happening in the brain during this time. 
When you're first learning, your brain is like a forest full of trees and dense foliage, with no clear pathway between point A and point B. As you learn the mechanics of shooting a free throw, you create a trail through the forest. Now you can shoot the free throw because you've created that pathway in your brain, but you probably don't make many shots because it's so new. The pathway isn't very clear yet. In order to improve your free throw, you need to refine and strengthen the free throw pathway in your brain. The way you do that is through practice. Practice gradually widens the trail through the trees, turning it into a dirt road between A and B. You're starting to get pretty good now. You're making more free throws than not. You don't have to think about the mechanics as much. That's because the pathway gets stronger after each practice rep. And you've done a lot of reps. With even more practice, the dirt road turns into a paved road connecting A and B, allowing information to be transmitted at a faster rate. Now you're a 70% free throw shooter, and when you step up to the line, you don't even have to think about it. Eventually, with enough practice, what started as a trail has become a full-blown highway. Now you're a master, draining almost every free throw, and the movement is completely second nature. So we have these pathways in our brain and of how we do things, and we learn them from how we interact with the world around us. Are we, are we on track, doctor? Okay, he's, he's giving me the head nod, all right. Well, um, but pathways are not limited to just muscle memory. We have other neurological pathways in us. We have neurological pathways really for everything. Everything. How you make and eat a sandwich and decide whether or not you like that sandwich, you have neural pathways that help you understand that. You have neural pathways about other things as well, like how you deal with conflict, because we all deal with conflict, right? So right or wrong, I grew up in a family where voices uh, got louder in conflict. I'll just say it that way, right? You just, that's, uh, it was pretty normal for me. You can elevate your noise level uh, in conflict. And my wife, uh, well, that was not as modeled for her as much. It was a lot more gentler, a lot more, you know, probably holy, but also a lot more, you know, beating around the bush, try not to escalate the situation, just kind of, eh. And so six years to this day, on this day, we got married. So happy anniversary, honey. We got married, and some of you guys know where this is going. And uh, we did not do conflict so well because how I learned how to do conflict and how she learned how to do conflict were different, right or wrong. They were different. And so this is why we encourage learning like communication tools and going to counseling and different stuff like that because we had learned different behaviors. We had different ways how we understood conflict and we had to learn how to come together in that well. And if we looked at your brain and how you grow up and how you interact the world and I could scan it and look at some of those pathways I could, and understand them, you know, then I could look at how you deal with conflict and could predict what you're going to do in the next situation. You have 
a neural pathway and how you do that kind of stuff. It's kind of preset. But you have other neural pathways for things, other ways you've learned behavior. You know, we have some emotional ones as well, right? From everything from sadness, joy, confusion, ready to rip someone's face off to uh, feeling so numb you can't even feel anything. We have these things in how we understand stuff, understand how the shape of the earth, understand what to do in medical emergencies, understand how to get places. Uh, some people are better at this than others, but man, if I was going to pull out of my driveway and go to church, I would take a right, go to a stop, take a right, go to an intersection, take a left, go to a stop, take a right, go that a light, take a left, go down a hill to a stop sign, take a left, go over some railroad tracks and a bridge, take a right, come up a hill, take a left, go over another bridge, and now I'm here on 18th Street coming around the corner, right? I have, this is mapped out already in my brain. And you guys have similar things or like things in your brain. Uh, and usually driving, because if we, that's such a habit for all of us, um, this is where we get some of our best thoughts, right? Because our brain has such clear path, neural pathways and stuff, it's, our brain can think about other stuff because it's so easy to think about driving, especially in driving in locations we do almost on a regular, not if daily basis. So there's about three locations you can find where your best thoughts would come from. So number one is driving, especially on your local commute or your daily trip to the store or something like that. The second place you can find your best quality of thoughts is probably in the shower, right? You just, man, you get those shower thoughts and you can just think and process. And some of you guys are like, yeah, I know what you're talking about, best thoughts of the day. And then the third place is the good old toilet, the thinking throne. Uh, you just can process and think through some things. Uh, it's because your brain, all right, moving on. All right, so we have neural pathways about stuff, and it's weird. Uh, we have neural pathways about what it means to be from Sheboygan. Think about this. You're just watching TV, you're watching a show, and if they met, and all of a sudden like Sheboygan gets mentioned, you'd be like, what? They just mentioned Sheboygan. I live there. Like you would have some kind of excitement pop out of you, and you don't even know why. You're like, they just mentioned it, but it's so cool that they mentioned Sheboygan, Wisconsin. There's something about that that's wired in you that makes you excited for that. Uh, there's a very powerful pathways in our minds of the people of Wisconsin that are triggered by some words, those words being the Green Bay Packers. Some of you guys just got goosebumps. Don't you? You know, you will feel very sad or angry or even joyous depending on the outcome of how the Packers play. And it's weird. So our physical, emotional state as a human being is in the hands of men wearing tight gold pants and playing with something that used to be called a pigskin. And when you think about it, you're like, man, the life of football fans is both sad and fun at the same time. You just don't know what's going to happen. We have some pathways for how we understand and how we connect with who God is. You got some neural pathways about who you are, your self-identity. 
and who you are in the eyes of God. One's about understanding the word of God, the Bible, right? One's about prayer, how we pray, where we pray, who and what we're praying for. One's about how you see and interact with the kingdom of God. Those are pretty powerful pathways. Here's why Paul tells Timothy, watch closely to who you are becoming and what you are believing. Because what happens? What happens to us when one of those neural pathways is built on the lie of Satan? Have you ever met someone? Maybe this is you. In their entire, entire childhood, they were told they are worthless. Maybe they, t- they were told, you're a burden. You're a screw-up. You're a failure. And after years of hearing that, something was built in their brain. And maybe they started believing that. And they went from believing that they're worthless and hopeless to start living like they were worthless and hopeless. And even though they may say, yeah, I know Jesus loves me. And in the eyes of Jesus, they are honored and precious in his sight. They only see themselves as worthless still. Because the lies of Satan jacked some things up. And that's how you go from just believing a lie to you start living that lie. Satan loves to come kill, steal, and destroy. One of the biggest toxic neuropathways I've had in my life uh, was due to my addiction to porn. Uh, and years of the dealing with this habit, uh, because of the different stress and the way I just went with it, it created like the Autobahn in my brain, like talking like 12 lanes wide and just this powerful addiction in my life. That's not hurting anyone and all that kind of stuff that Satan just whispers to reinforce it, reinforce it, reinforce it, reinforce it. And if you scanned my brain and you could find the Autobahn, you could see I was literally in shape into somebody that didn't look like Jesus. Because Paul says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Because I had zero idea who I was becoming or what was happening in the area of that addiction. Because I was always so confused why it was so strong. And then what about you? What lies has Satan shaped and formed you with? So much so that it's not just something you believe, but something you live. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to call you out or shame you or get, make you feel like a terrible person, but I'm just, we got to sit in that. We got to wrestle with that. We need to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit is prompting us in that.
because you have to sit in that for us to kind of wake up to, man, what, what, what do we do then? Because how do you overcome living out a lie? Because it's one thing now to just identify it. I think that's the easiest part of all. You can identify it when someone walks with you and asks those kind of questions. But how do you change course? How do you rewire your brain? So here are five easy steps. Nah, just kidding. It's not that simple. Uh, all these lies, right? These neural pathways, circumstances, complexities, faith journeys. I mean, it's all different, right? We're all different. And the best way for you to overcome your addiction is going to maybe look different than mine. And the best way to learn how to deal with your conflict in your marriage is going to look different than mine. And the best way to heal your relationship with your parents, your kids, who you need to have a healing relationship with, is going to look different than mine. Because every circumstance and situation is different. So there is no five simple step process I can walk us through real quick. But what did Jesus say, though? Here's some of the words of Jesus. John 8, 31, 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 15, 5. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying, abide in me. Remain in me. Know me. Follow me. Look at me, listen to me, walk with me, rest in me, be still in me, seek me, and you will be free. You will bear fruit. You will know the way. You're not limited to learn neural pathways in your brain, right? Jesus didn't say, and you will know the truth, but you will only be able to go so far because you have these pre-programmed things in your brain. He didn't say that. She says, I will set you free. Break the change, the bondage of the lies of the enemy. Like I said a few minutes ago that I had this neurological pathway of that addiction that looked like the Autobahn in my head. And did I overcome porn addiction? Nah. No willpower, no accountability, though it's needed and helpful. No motivation, no promise could do it. But you know who could overcome my addiction? The one who said, I am the truth. I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. And it took years learning how to abide in Jesus, surrender to him on a daily basis, surrender to Jesus. And I got to walk slowly with Jesus, oh, I'm being still in 
Jesus. And then the Autobahn begin to shrink just to a highway. Eventually get down to a county road, single lane gravel. Now it's starting to look a little bit more like that dirt path. Am I still tempted? Yeah, temptation never goes away. But what do I do with my temptation now? Jesus rewired my, the neural paths in my brain. He helped heal me from that. And he set me free from the lives of the devil so that I no longer live out those lies. Now, here's what I'm learning now about this as I study this and I prepare for these things. The porn addiction was just one of many lies the devil threw in my direction. Satan continues to send lies my direction to shape and deform me into someone who looks more like him and a lot less like Jesus. He wants me to look like the devil and not look like Jesus. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Because there is a war over who you are becoming. Who you are being shaped and formed into. And we have to pause in order to look at that in our lives. Because you can be part of a church, serve faithfully for years, listen to messages from guys like Pastor John, participate in home groups led by people who are passionately in love with Jesus, pray every week, go on mission trips, sing songs, do whatever you're supposed to do, right? And, you know, live that high standard life that, you know, Paul told Timothy. You can do that. And you can still be shaped and deformed into someone who doesn't look like Jesus. And it wrecks me. It hurts me a lot to watch people get shaped into someone who doesn't look like Jesus. Because it's painful. It's ugly. And the opposite of that is the most beautiful moments of ministry. It's what happens when I get to witness, I get to watch this, where someone goes from living out of a lie, believing that lie, to abiding in Jesus, growing a little bit closer to the person and character of Jesus, listening to what Jesus has to say about that lie. And then they get healed in that. And, and they find in their life that they can be free from the thing that's holding back. And they can be a little bit closer to Jesus. Usually those things are filled with tears. And they're filled with other believers who are going on a similar journey. So if we're going to be at church, collectively, that not only believes truth over lies, but lives truth over lies, we need to be a church that is shaped and formed by Jesus into the character and, character and person of Jesus. And so I want to invite you to participate in that right now, to wrestle with this, 
to wrestle with the things that, man, how has the enemy come at me? How has he shaped and formed me with his lies? And make room for Jesus to speak into that. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And uh, we're going to sing a prayer over you. Um, And I just want you guys to take time to receive this. So let's just pause and just go be with Jesus on this. Jesus, you have our attention this morning. Jesus, you have our attention this morning in the areas and understanding of who we are being shaped and formed into. Would you reveal the lies for maybe decades that we've been believing, Lord, and living out? I ask that you'd speak mightily into some people right now. Lord, we ask that you would speak. We want to hear you, Lord. Would you begin to heal some of the evil, the toxic, the sin in our lives, Lord? Of who uh, has been planted in there by the enemy, Lord. And you are our healer. And you are our savior. You are the one who went to the cross to take our inflictions, all of them, including the pain of things that were brought to us by the enemy. Man, would you cut out those lies, Lord, that have shaped us? Help us to receive all that you give, Lord, and Help us to receive healing in these areas, Lord. We're all in different places. And yet you meet us each and every single one of us where we are at. Man, you are powerful and mighty. So I ask, Lord, that we would be still before you. And that you would speak, Lord.